Good morning and welcome to the Hills Church at Home. So take a moment, gather your family or if you're in your room or let somebody know that our church services has started. Set up a watch party, text somebody, um, but you can do this. You can download our message notes. You can go to our website. Hopefully you went through that way to get to viewing this service. You can download both the message notes and the kids activity sheet, which is a coloring sheet for this week. If you're viewing uh, this message through YouTube, we would love if you would hit the subscribe button. That will sure help us uh, in the future. Um, but what I first wanna do as we're getting ready this morning, I wanted us to take a moment to pray uh, number one, this Sunday is when we celebrate Pentecost Sunday. If you've never sat down and read in the Bible the beginning, you can actually read Acts chapter one and two and begin to get the picture of Jesus's heart as the 120 would gather in the upper room and they were doing so because Jesus wanted them to wait until the promise of the Holy Spirit came upon him. They probably didn't know everything that they were waiting for, but they knew that before they ever did the very next step, they were to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And as the Bible says, the Holy Spirit came in like a mighty rushing wind. It appeared on all of the heads of the 120 that there was a flame of fire. They all spoke in tongues, and that was the beginning of the church then heading out. People thought they were drunk, but that's when we read about Peter preaching, and in the crowd that day, 3,000 accepted Jesus. You can read on in the book of Acts of all of the things that were taking place, but that's what we celebrate today, was the outpouring, the infilling, and the dwelling of the Holy Spirit no longer in a temple, but in the temple, the body of the Holy Spirit, active, alive in us today as Jesus and as the Lord had planned uh, from the beginning. I also want us to pray today uh, over our nation and over the, the divide and the anger. You know, let me read this out of Acts 2, 42 and 43, and, and I, I read this out of the passage translation and um, it says this, every believer faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles, which the apostles were teaching about Jesus, their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. You know, a, a divided world today needs to see a united church, a church that's united, every believer united, praying, sharing with one another. In fact, Solomon, uh, with all of the wisdom and insight that he had, we read these words in 2 Chronicles 7.14. He says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, 
then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. You know, and I was, just before we had come on today, I had remembered that scripture in Isaiah 59, 19. It won't be up on the screen. And it, it says this, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. You know, there's been much discussion on the punctuation of that, but it says, but many people read it this way. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. And what we need to see in our day is the spirit of the Lord active. And notice where the spirit of the Lord was in the early church. It was on the inside of the believer and the believer was acting out the teachings of Jesus, praying and connecting with one another. And that's why I want to end with Micah 6, 8, where the prophet says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to have mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So Lord, we we stop today and there's celebrations taking places in churches because we remember the day that the church was birthed when the promise of the Holy Spirit was sent and filled the 120 and the 120 began that day expressing that ministry of Jesus all through Jerusalem and as Jesus said, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Father, we acknowledge that today, that your church is active and moving, uh, and that the Spirit of the Lord is active in this day. But we humble ourselves today on behalf of a divided nation. And Lord, we pray, as we have said these verses, when the enemy comes in like a flood, you raise up a standard against him. And as Micah said, What do you require but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God? Father, use our words. Temper those things that we listen to your word and we respond with your love and your power. And we pray for all of those churches and ministry leaders that are active in ministering. We pray for the protection of all of those first responders. And Father, that you give us wisdom in these days. But we remember this. Solomon starts with this. If my people. Lord, we we have to be people that pray. And Lord, though we say amen, it's not over. We continue to pray and to be your witness, to be your ambassadors in these days. And we all pray this and we all agree in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me um, switch here for just a minute. I'm going to start a new series, really the summer series, and we're going to look at the parables of Jesus. A parable really is a short story, and really the, the meaning of it is Jesus is going to take uh, an earthly example, but he's going to teach a heavenly principle, and he wants to use those things that are familiar to people, to teach them a heavenly principle or what he would describe 
as the kingdom of God. And so my title today is Seeds. And this will be the one parable that Jesus will refer to as the parables of parables. So we want to get this one first because on all of the other parables operate, but we've got to know about the different hearts. You know, I was going through this week, the very first recorded words of Jesus. Now, before his ministry and being filled with the Holy Spirit, the first recorded words, he was 12 years old. And when Jesus was missing for three days and his parents finally found him and they asked where he was, he spoke at 12, didn't you know I must be about my father's business? But there's two other places in our Bible uh, that we could probably be a toss-up of Jesus's first words recorded. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, we read this, Jesus's words, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now that could be number one or number two, and the very next one could be number one or number two. We read out of Luke chapter four, verse four, Jesus answered saying, here's what he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now Jesus spoke that once Satan was tempting him after not eating for 40 days and 40 nights, and he was tempting him with turning stones to bread, and Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? By every word of God. So keep those two thoughts, those two words of Jesus, initial words in mind as we go through our scriptures today or our parable today. And Jesus is gonna use these parables because a lot of those listeners, they were very skeptical about Jesus, and as we see the religious leaders and others, they were very hostile towards his message. So the best way that Jesus knew how to overcome people that were skeptical and people that were hostile is he would tell stories that would be linked to divine power and revelation. And I, I think of it like this way. Jesus uses short story like people will do a short video on YouTube. You know, they'll, they'll post a four or five or six minute video about something to get your attention. I don't know if you're like me, but when I look at somebody and they have something that I'm interested in because of the title, and then when I see it's like 28 minutes, I oh, do I really have time to sit and watch that? I think Jesus took something that was instant and easy to begin to teach them uh, about a principle. So in Mark chapter four, verse 13 and 34, I wanna read this first because this will be Jesus's his words. And he says to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And it says this in verse 34, but without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. Notice that way. He did not teach without using parables. Somewhere there's a toss-up, 35 to 42 different parables, depending on how you would break it down. But Jesus's ministry and teaching was always using a story that would be connected to a heavenly kingdom 
principles. So I want to read, in fact, I'm going to read several verses today just to set this up, and all of them will be on the screen. So I'm going to be in Mark chapter 4. As Jesus will mention, this would be the parable for you to understand the different parables. Mark chapter 4, verse 1, and as I'm reading verse 1, let me just set this up. This could have quite possibly been the largest crowd other than maybe the Beatitudes, that came to hear what Jesus said. Why is that important? Because in one of the largest settings, Jesus is going to teach one of the most important parables linked to a heavenly promise or kingdom thinking, and it has everything to do with the receptivity of your heart and the seed of the word of God. So let me read this. And again, he began to teach by the sea and a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into the boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teachings, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no crop. But the other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside when the word is sown, when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown among stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness, but they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. 
They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Let me read verse 20 again. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who bear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. So, in a, a multitude of people where Jesus is put into the boat like a little pulpit and he's pushed back out and the multitude comes to hear him, he begins to teach them this parable of something that they would all understand in their day. They all know this. If you don't plant seeds, you don't get a crop. Now, here's what's different in our day. We don't plant, let's say we want a grass-filled lawn, we don't typically plant grass seeds. You know what we do? We go to our favorite hardware store. We pick out the sod that we want. And then we have it delivered to the house and we just roll it out on the front. We have instant grass, right? Done in an afternoon. I remember the days of being a, a, a small child and uh, my dad would seed the grass, which meant that it had to be tilled up, either had to have a rotor tiller or a rake, and then seeds would be thrown everywhere, and then you know what went last? The manure, and the manure would stink up your yard. You couldn't use your grass for weeks until there was grass. See, we're not used to that. What we do is we go down to our favorite um, home improvement store, and if we want a fruit tree, we pick one out that already has fruit on it, and then we plant it. We're not used to this process. But back in that day, they all understood this principle in the power of the seed and making sure that that seed got in the right ground. In fact, we'll mention this in the next couple of weeks. In the ear of a Jewish farmer, to hear that last verse, that some would get 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold, that was completely unheard of. In fact, remember this, they would plant and expect that part of their crop would be destroyed, whether by famine or pestilence or something would take place. If Jesus just said, you'll get 10%, they probably would have shouted and screamed. 30, 60, 100 fold was such a radical idea, but it's the words of Jesus when he's talking about taking the word and planting it in our heart. And I think if we could word it this way, Jesus would say, this is one parable and one message that you can't afford to miss. We've gotta get this one. We've gotta get this one set because when he's talking about planting those seeds, he's talking about planting it in our heart. And we always want the easy way out. When Michelle and I were first married, we were renting her grandma's house in Montebello. My uh, father-in-law, who was a stickler on his lawn, he always was, always will be, 
He always uh, wanted to make sure that his lawn was green and clean. He made sure that it was mowed and watered and fertilized at the right time. It was one of the things that he kept so well was his lawn. So now I'm, I'm inheriting this property and I'm gonna keep up the lawn. And if I remember right, he had had a gardener just for a few weeks before we, we got in. And, and he didn't like having gardeners. And the only reason was when gardeners would mow other lawns and then they'd go and mow your lawn, that they would bring all of those different clippings and weeds to plant in the grass. Well, I went out and I bought a lawnmower and I was cutting my own lawn, but I noticed one day that we started to get these little dandelion weeds. And so I went down to a Home Depot that wasn't far from us and I'm looking for something that'll give fertilizer and something that will kill the weed like a weed and feed. And I remember looking at the bags and I see one that's $4.99 and the next one is $39.99. And I thought, they both pretty much say the same thing. So I'm gonna get the $4.99, you know, feed the weed, weed and feed, whatever the bag was. So we went and I scattered it on the lawn. I followed the directions, how much was supposed to go out there, how much water. And let me tell you, it wasn't a day or two where I thought that I did. I bought the wrong bag. It was supposed to be weed and feed. I think I bought the $4.99 one that was feed the weed. My lawn was completely taken over with the yellow dandelion. Like it, it was almost like uh, flowers were blooming. I went back and then I purchased the $39 one and I spread it all out and it wasn't getting it quick enough. I went back to the store and the guy told me to, that I'm gonna need to uh, spray all of them. So I bought the spray, went back, sprayed all of them. It didn't kill them all. And then finally I had to dig every one of them out. If I would have just done the right thing the first time, I probably wouldn't have spent all of the money that I spent and all of the time and frustration to get the yard back to what it should look like. I tell you that story today because many times when it comes to God's word, we rush to do the $4.99 devotion and we don't take the time that it requires to listen, to meditate, and to think through his words, how it responds in our heart, and how it responds to our life. We know this, that Bible reading, sermons like you're listening to, podcasts are examples of this parable of us planting the seed of God's word into our heart, and that's what we're doing. We're planting seeds, not full-grown plants. The seeds don't overnight turn into these uh, bright, you know, fruit-bearing trees. We plant seed upon seed upon seed. But one of the most important things that you and I can do is to read our Bible, to listen to our Bible, to allow those seeds to get in our heart and begin to do a work on the inside of our heart. Because here's the thing, if you will trust the seed of the word of God to be planted into your heart, it will grow. It will produce. I'm not guaranteeing it. Jesus guarantees it. And I'll just guarantee what Jesus said to you. Get the word inside your heart. Be patient with those seeds on the inside. So Jesus says this, and I just want to quickly look at the very first thing that he mentions. 
because he starts out with asking everybody, listen, because the intro of this parable is a sower that's going to sow, but it comes with a warning because the seeds that get thrown out in his parable let us know that the birds of the air pounce on the seeds that are on the ground. It's like going to McDonald's and the kid drops his fries and the next thing you know, every sparrow and bird that you didn't even see or hear comes out of the sky and all of those French fries are gone. Jesus says this, after you hear the word, what Satan does is he comes immediately to do what? To steal the word that was in your heart. He wants to warn us. He immediately comes to steal what you heard. Do you know, I've heard people say this over the years. They'll say, we had the biggest argument that we've ever had after we left church on Sunday or after we left church on a midweek. We had a blowout on the way home. And, and you think, hmm, Satan comes immediately to strip the word that has been planted. You know, many times, even if you get up early and you're starting to do your devotion, it's amazing how many distractions. Our phone can be a distraction. Our pet can be a distraction. Uh, our thinking can be a distraction. But it's so important because here's what Satan knows. If he can stop the seed getting planted in your heart, he can stop the growth of the word of God producing fruit in your life. We won't take time to look at it. You can read Genesis chapter three. You can read Genesis chapter six. And the moment that Adam and Eve are active in the garden, the very first thing that we read about, the one that comes in is this serpent, the snake, to deceive Adam and Eve about what God says. They're confused about what God says. Hosea lets us know that my people are destroyed by a lack of knowledge. They're not destroyed by a lack of prayer, lack of church attendance, a lack of knowledge about the word. So Satan came immediately to confuse their thinking about what God said. In Genesis chapter six, the Bible says, that the heart and thoughts and intentions of the people, this is before the flood, every thought was only continuously evil on the inside. Right. It shows you that the heart completely leads and shifts the individual. That's why Satan wants to get that word out, wants to come up with excuses of why, why we don't, wants to have our thoughts confused, so we don't plant the word in our, in our hearts. You know, let me read this verse out of the New Living. This is Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. You know, you take that seed, you plant it in the ground, you gotta make sure that it's watered. You gotta find something to spray because the bugs come. You gotta watch the heat. You gotta keep an eye on that seed 
But here's the thing, you know, that seed is going to germinate and it's going to begin to grow and it's going to need water and it's going to need fertilizer and it's going to need pruning and watching out for. And if that example of the seed in our heart perfectly links to those words in Proverbs, guard this heart, guard this soil, because uh, above all else, because it determines the course of your life. You know, when Jesus mentions uh, the soils, the soils don't think dirt because the dirt is your heart. That heart, the inside that affects your, your mind, your thinking, how your outlook. Guard that, prune that, get those weeds out. Because have you ever used this phrase before? And, and maybe it's somebody at your work, their heart just isn't in it. The kid that plays a sport only because a parent or somebody encouraged them to play a sport, but their heart isn't in that sport, it's in another sport. We use that, their heart just isn't in it. In this situation, it, uh, with the God's word, it's all about the heart. It's all about our heart attitude and getting his words on the inside of our heart. You know, we, we do a daily Bible reading at the church and we've been in Proverbs and Proverbs teaches us wisdom for life, gives us insight on things. And it's amazing how much, how many decisions that we make that we need God's wisdom on our life situations. So I started with one of the possible first words of Jesus. And so I'm going to err and say that I think it could have been Luke chapter 4, verse 4. Because when Jesus had spent 40 days in the wilderness alone, hadn't had anything to eat, hadn't had anything to drink, and now he's being tempted in his weakest state. And when Satan comes... The temptation to Jesus is to take stones and to use his power and turn them to bread. But Jesus will answer back with these very words. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. This is Jesus. In a hungry, thirsty state, I don't live by that. I live by the very word of God that's been placed on the inside of me. And I won't go against that. That is what I live by, every word of God. Let me pray for all of us because for all of us, this is a discipline. It's part of being a, a disciple that we follow not only after the teachings of Jesus, we go back into our Old Testament and we look at what's recorded about men and women of God, their shortcomings, their mistakes, how they stood up to be righteous, how they repented, how they learned. We learn from their examples, but we look to Jesus in everything that we do. So Lord, we, we stop today and we take this one parable and we realize that there's a battle that takes place from us just digging into your word, but as it becomes habit and lifestyle, and not just a lifestyle, but it's something that we love, that we have the heart just like Jesus had, that I don't need to live by that. I need to live by every word of God. Jesus would use 
the example in the ministry to the woman at the well when the disciples thought that he was hungry. His food was doing the will of his Father. So Lord, let it be an encouragement of us today that this body, this soil, that I'm responsible for planting the word on the inside and you're going to do the work that I am good ground. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, and if you're listening uh, today and yet you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I wanna put a prayer on the screen and I wanna read it because it is the most important prayer that you'll ever say. Uh, it's the most exciting life that you'll ever, you'll ever live and you'll do it not alone because the Lord will not only be on the inside of you, he'll walk with you and teach you. Would you pray these words with me? Dear God, I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for me. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins and today I begin my relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. And as we ask week to week, if you just prayed that prayer, would you take a minute and comment whether you're watching by Facebook or YouTube, maybe you're catching this up later in the time, or email us at info at hillschurcharcadia.org, the most important decision you can ever make and the most important relationship that you'll ever have is following Jesus. Well, before we conclude our, our time, I wanna take just a minute to receive our tithes and offerings together. And as we do week upon week, we just take a verse out of the Bible and then we just take a minute that out of that verse that we pray and we are praying and thanking God for his blessings that are upon our life. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11 also gives us that picture of how God's word works. In fact, it says this, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. In our giving today, can we remember that the reason that we give isn't some man-made structure. It's because God has said it in his word. And when we obey the word of God, it's like we read at the end, and he gives us that example. When his word goes forth, it doesn't return void, empty. I always get a picture. It's like the arrow. It's going to hit the target, and we trust him in these days for his blessing in his favor, and it's really our act of faith in trusting and testing and proving what he said he would do. So pray this prayer, if you would, with me. It'll be on the screen, but pray it from your heart. 
over you, over your family. Ready? Let's pray this together. As I give in today's offering, I seek to be enlarged in my spirit and in my mind. I want to see more, believe more, do more, and be more that I have in the past. Today is a day to say, Lord, enlarge my faith and vision. Stretch my spirit in giving. Allow me to move into another level of giving beyond my own capacity. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you're giving today, uh, one way that you can do it is from our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can click on the Give button. It's quick, it's safe, it's secure. You can give that way. The other way is if you want to mail in your offering, you can do so to The Hills Church, P.O. Box 661419. That's Arcadia, California, 91066. And we appreciate your prayers and your support. Uh, Remember that on Wednesday nights, we do it every week. We do a, a Wednesday night gathering We take just a minute to do a devotion, take time to listen to prayer requests, check on people, but then what we do is the Bible lets us know as often as we come to remember Jesus, we do so with communion. So I'd invite you to be a part of that. If you don't get our emails and you'd like to to be on our list to get weekly um, emails from us, email us at info at hillschurcharcadia.org or go to our website and you can fill out your information on our contact sheet. Well, we pray for you today and this week that you would allow your heart to be open to God's word and allow him to fill your heart with his word because it will overflow. Watch what he does As we look at these days, don't look at them from your natural eyes, your natural thinking. Go into his word. What is he saying? As we celebrate a day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit filled the believers and the believers went out, be people that are going out, taking what God has said and being an encouragement and showing the love of Jesus to those you come across this week. God bless you. Have a great day and we'll see you soon.